morning, James chapter 3. You may remember last week we began by giving our attention to verse number 1. And in verse number 1, we watched as James basically made this statement that not everyone needs to be a teacher, not everyone needs to be in that role of leadership. And the primary reason for that, when you consider the context, is this, is that every word that a teacher, a leader speaks is going to be judged accordingly. And the more you talk, the greater the risk is of saying something that shouldn't have been said, saying something that ought not be said. And so last week I was trying to remind us, whether it be in an official capacity, whether it be uh, the role we take as a parent trying to teach our children, maybe trying to teach those that we work with the truths of God's Word, whenever we would step into that position as trying to be that leader or that teacher, we've got to remember how important it is that we get it right because we will give an account for what we have said, for how we have uh, tried to influence people's thinking, which would influence their actions. And so uh, that's what we dealt with last week, and it's still relevant, it's still important. Uh, But this morning we're going to move on, and as we move into this morning's message, I just want to say a couple of things. First, it's going to have some overlap to what was said last week, I understand that. Second, I, I know that the approach that we're going to take with this scripture may be a little bit different than what we're used to, I, I think. I don't think, I know for myself, I've never really considered it from this angle, and so it might be a new angle for you to consider it from as well. But again, I think it'll be a help to all of us. This morning, I want to begin by telling you a story that showcases another one of my failures. I figure it's uh, safest if I showcase my failure as opposed to someone else's. Some of you will remember uh, last month, Susie and I, we went to Florida for a week of vacation, and in doing so, Uh, When we arrived at the airport and we got off the plane, I told Susie, I said, feel free to run to baggage claim and get your suitcase, and I'm going to head to the rental car department, and I'm going to get that process started because that can be a lengthy process sometimes. And so as I made my way up to the front desk, the lady standing there behind the counter, she asked for my name, she needed some information from me, and then she began asking me some questions. And she was just asking general questions, what brought us to town, what we were planning on doing. And as she was asking those questions, I was just answering them. And she was just doing her job, doing what she was supposed to be doing. And and she made a statement. This is not an exact quote by any means, but she made a statement that said something to this effect. It sounds like you just need to relax for a couple of days. That's what she said to me. She said, it just sounds like you need to relax for a couple of days. Now, I admitted last week that I'm as guilty as anyone could be of saying things without thinking, saying things that ought not be said. And so that was one of those moments where I said something that did not need to be said. Whenever she said, it sounds like you need to relax for a few days, I said something to this effect, again, not an exact quote, but I said, you have no idea. You have no idea. So my response to her was, you have no idea, you have no understanding of how bad I need to relax and have some time off. Now, first of all, that was very arrogant to say such a thing. To think for just a moment of myself that she could have no understanding what it was like to have stress or to be tired or or want to get away 
that was just pure arrogance on my part. And it was, for lack of better words, it was stupid. I don't know what she'd been dealing with all day, dealing with different customers, maybe what she had been dealing with all week, but, but it was arrogant and it was ignorant of me to say that. And as soon as I said it, it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, Really? She doesn't know what it's like. She has no idea. So thankfully, by the grace of God, I was able in that moment to say to her, Ma'am, I'm sorry. What I just said didn't need to be said. It shouldn't have been said. Uh, I'm certainly not the busiest person in the world. I understand that. So I'm sorry that I said that. I apologize. Now, I don't know why it happened, what happened next. I don't know if it's just the nature of the lady. I don't know if it's because she was on the clock and she knew that she had to do this. But she simply smiled, kind of nodded her head and acknowledged my apology and just went on doing what needed to be done. In that moment and in that transaction, here is what she was with me. She was gracious. She was gracious. She could have been offended. She could have gotten upset. She could have recognized the arrogance and the ignorance of what I had just said and popped off with something back at me. And and, and she could have made the situation worse than I had already made it. But thankfully, she was gracious. And because of her grace in that situation, it diffused what could have been a more intense conversation Again, because of my ignorance in that moment. Now, this morning, as we hold on to that principle, I want us to continue looking this morning in James chapter 3. We're just going to look at a few verses very quickly and see if we can help ourselves in this manner of the tongue and the words that are spoken. It says in verse number 3, it says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. I know that every one of us are familiar with what a horse is. I think most of us are familiar with how we go about breaking horses if we want to use those horses to ride for recreation or for whatever it may be. And I think most of us understand the whole process of how you control the direction of a horse. It's with the process or it's with the application of placing that bit inside the horse's mouth. And so what James says is exactly right. It is exactly true that you and I have the ability, no matter how large that horse may be, we have the ability to control the direction of that horse with a relatively small piece of equipment being placed in that horse's mouth. He goes on to say in verse number 4, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, a steering device or steering mechanism, whithersoever the governor or the overseer of the ship listeth or desireth the ship to go. And so in verses 3 and 4, here's what James says. He says that we have these large items. We have these big items. Uh, Really no better word to describe it than that. We have these things that are relatively large in size, and yet he says a horse can be controlled. A horse can be controlled with a bit, 
and a ship can be controlled with the helm, very small things that control these larger items. He goes on to say in verse number 5, even so the tongue is a little member. And here's what we all know in comparison, our tongue is small to the rest of the body. So compared to an arm, compared to a leg, compared to the torso, whatever it may be, the tongue is a very small member of the body, but like the bridle or like that steering device on a ship, which is capable of doing amazing things, so also is the tongue capable of doing some amazing things. It may be small, it may look unimpressive, it may seem insignificant, but the tongue is able to do some amazing things. And so in the next few verses, James just kind of gives a list of what the tongue is capable of doing. So notice what he said in verse number, uh, verse number 5. He said, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. And boasteth great things. The tongue is capable, James says, of telling big stories, of telling tall tales. How many of us this morning know that to be true? That the tongue is capable of boasting great things. The tongue is, is capable of telling big stories, exaggerated stories, maybe even to an extent untrue stories, the tongue is able to declare anything it wants to say. Now, I want us to think about this for just a moment. At some point in our lives, every one of us have been guilty of doing this. Every one of us at some point have been guilty of exaggerating the facts. Every one of us at some point have been guilty of embellishing the story and making it what we thought was better than it would otherwise be. All you've got to do if you don't believe this is go back to your childhood and consider some of the stories you told. Friends, those were ridiculous stories. I rode my bike like 50 miles an hour, and whenever I jumped on the ramp, I was just about to jump over the car, but I decided not to. What? That was a lie. That was an exaggeration. There was no truth to that whatsoever. But in the mind of a seven-year-old, they thought it was believable. And so that's what they decided to say. It boasteth great things. But most of us, if we're honest, we don't have to go back to our childhood to realize we've been guilty of saying some things that were just not realistic or just not believable. Let's be honest, we've all gotten involved in conversation, we've all got excited about what we were saying, and pretty soon, even if unintentional, we, we were saying some things that that's really just not how it happened. All of a sudden, we're much bolder. I told them, no you didn't. Yes, I did. Well, you didn't tell them like that. Well, maybe not exactly like that, right, because you wouldn't dream of talking to them that way and get away with it. But when that person's not around and we're retelling the story, it's amazing how much stronger or bolder or more impressive we are. And so I'm just saying, as James says, that this little tongue is capable of boasting great things. He is absolutely telling the truth. 
that we are capable of, of exaggerating and, and telling great stories and tall tales because that's how we operate at times. He goes on to say in verse number 5, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. He said, you know, it's amazing. You don't need a big fire to burn up a lot of forest. It just takes a small spark. It just takes a, a, a little bit of an ignition to get that fire started. And a great fire, a, a large matter, can be consumed with a little fire. So in using that, he goes into verse number 6 and says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it, our tongue, he says, is set on fire of hell. Think about that for just a moment. What James is saying. He is saying you and I with an uncontrolled tongue, we have no idea how destructive we are capable of being with the words that we speak. Now this morning, I'm not going to try to give a lot of illustrations. I'm not going to try to tell you stories of, of times and occasions where this has happened with myself or anyone else. I think we're honest enough and I think we're mature enough to know that there have been many occasions where we have said things that did not need to be said. And by the time everything got settled and by the time the, the dust settled, here is what happened. We had caused far more problems than we ever imagined by simply running our mouth in a way that it ought not be run. Have we been guilty of this? I know that we have because... As James said in verse number 2, if you, can, uh, if you can bridle the tongue, if you, can, if you can control the tongue, then you are a perfect person. And since none of us are perfect people, we have all caused more damage with our tongue than we would have known possible when we started talking and, and speaking about whatever it was we were speaking about. He goes on to say in verse number 8, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly or a disorderly evil full of deadly poison. It is full of deadly poison. What, what is poison? What is he talking about whenever he speaks of poison? Well, poison is something that hurts or kills. Something that hurts or kills. So he says that the tongue is unruly, it is disorderly, and here's what happens when the tongue speaks, and when the tongue speaks with no real filter or no real control over it, here is what it is full of. It is full of that which hurts or that which destroys. And again, you and I know this to be true. We have all been hurtful with our mouths and the words that we have spoken. Would we agree to this? That, that every one of us at some point in our lives, we have hurt someone else by what we have said. It may have been a spouse. It may have been a child. It may have been a parent. It may have been a friend. It may have been a co-worker. We don't know who it was. But every one of us have hurt people at some point in our lives by the words that we have spoken. Somebody may sit here and say, I don't know that I've ever done that. I can promise you, you've done it. Every one of us have hurt somebody with our tongue what has come out of our mouths because our tongue 
he said, is full of deadly poison. Verse number 9, he said, it's with the tongue that we bless God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Think about that for just a moment. He said, it is with this tongue that we bless God and curse man who is made after the image of God. Is there any truth to that statement? We know there is. We can be so spiritual, we can be so godly, we can even be genuine maybe in our blessing or our worshiping of God, declaring His greatness, declaring His goodness, be just sharing and beholding who He is. It is amazing that we can do all that with our mouth and then turn around and curse or speak evil of different people in our lives. One moment you're praising God, one moment you're talking of God's goodness, and the next moment you're criticizing someone, you're, you're, you're speaking about them behind their back, whatever it may be, James is exactly right. One moment you're blessing God, the next moment you're cursing man. He says in verse number 10, a little bit repetitive, but obviously necessary, he says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. We can be so kind, we can be so thoughtful, we can be so appreciative in the words that we speak and turn right around and rip somebody apart. It's like a dual personality, right? We can be involved in a very polite, pleasant conversation Something happened that flips our switch, and before we know it, we're saying things that don't need to be said. Now, I want us to see this in verse number 10, because this is very important. He said, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursings, my brethren, or blessings and cursings. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. These things ought not so to be. Why is that last statement important? Because it reminds us that it's not right to do this. It is not right to do this. This little member that we have in our body, this tongue, that is capable of telling great stories and tall tales, this tongue that is capable of destroying much with its words, this tongue that is capable of blessing God and cursing men, blessing others and then cursing them again at this, in a different setting or a different situation. He said, just because that is what our tongue is capable of, you've got to realize and you've got to be willing to admit that that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not right just because it happens. We've got to be reminded of this. It's not right and it's not okay to be abusive with the tongue, to be destructive with the tongue, to be dishonest with the tongue. It's just not right for that to happen from our lives. Now I say that for this reason. Go back to verse number 7. In verse number 7, he says this, For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed, of mankind. 
What does that mean? He, he, when James says this, what does that mean? Well, first of all, understand this. The word tame does not mean that it's been domesticated and able to be a pet. All right, That's not what he is suggesting because I think most of us know that that would not be true. Most people would not suggest that they have a pet great white or something of that effect. So he's not saying that every animal in this world has been domesticated, but that word tamed means this, that it's been constrained or it's been restrained or it's been placed under control. And friends, that is true, that whatever man decides to take control over and exercise authority over, man is capable of doing such a thing. But in light of everything that man is able to tame or restrain or to control, notice again what he said in verse number 8. But the tongue can no man tame. Is that not what he said? He said, the tongue can no man tame. Again, go back to verse number 2. He said, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. What is James making very clear? He's simply saying this, Friends, you're never going to get it right completely when it comes to your tongue. Right. Try as you may, you will not get it right every time. Amen. So you may sit here this morning and you may say something to this effect. I pray every day, Lord, place a guard over my mouth. Lord, don't let me say anything that I shouldn't say. God, only let the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing unto you. And, and if you pray that prayer, it's an appropriate prayer. It is a good prayer. It is a right prayer. It's a prayer that I try to pray on many occasions. But you know what I have found? doesn't matter how many times I pray that prayer. I'm still saying things that don't need to be said. I'm still getting mad. I'm still getting irritated in the midst of my frustrations, in the midst of my anger. I'm popping off and saying something hurtful. I'm saying something that can be destructive. If I'm not careful, as much as I may pray, Lord, put a guard over my mouth and don't let me say anything I shouldn't say, I still find myself sometimes just, just telling stories that, why did you add that to the equation? Like I mentioned last week, it's just something that everyone struggles with. So we could say, no, 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 I don't do that. And all that means means is this, is you don't pay attention to what really comes out of your mouth. James said, no man can tame the tongue. Well, since you and I are part of mankind, that means none of us are capable of doing it. So understand, please. As best I can, I want to, in this regard, prepare you for failure. You will blow it at some point this week. Well, Brother Kyle, you're not supposed to tell me that. You're supposed to tell me I'm going to, to get victory over this and I'll never say anything else again that I shouldn't say. Well, I could tell you that, but it'd be a lie. And I'd be held responsible for that, and I don't want to do that. So I, I just want to prepare you for this reality that at some point this week, you are going to say something that did not need to be said. You are, if you're married at some point this week, you are going to say something to your spouse that you shouldn't have said. 
Understand this? If you've still got children in the home, I just want you to know there's a 99.9% chance that you're going to say something to your child in one way or another that probably didn't need to be said. If you work outside the home and you've got coworkers that you have to interact with, probably at some point this week you're going to say something that didn't need to be said. I don't know where it'll happen. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know how it will happen. I just want you to know at some point this week, you're going to drop the ball and you're going to say something that doesn't need to be said because James said, the tongue can no man tame. So how does it feel knowing this morning that at some point this week you're going to fail? I don't know about you, but it's not overly encouraging to me. And since these things ought not so to be, since this is not the way it's supposed to be, what does that mean? Well, it means this, that whenever I say things that ought not be said, I need to do my best to make it right. If I say something that doesn't need to be said, I first of all need to try to make things right with God because He is the one above all that I have offended the most But past that, I need to be ready to do what I can to make things right with the one that my tongue has offended. Much like the lady at the counter at the rental desk, I need to be quick to say to whomever I've offended, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I didn't need to say that. Hey, listen, I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't right in that setting. Hey, listen, that wasn't appropriate. I can't just sit back and say, well, you know, everybody says things they shouldn't say, so I'm just going to write it off and excuse it and dismiss it and act like it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal. It is wrong. Just because it's the way it is doesn't mean that I can excuse it or justify it. So when When I fail with my words this week, I need to make it right with God and I need to make it right with the one that I have wronged with my words. So do you understand this? We are going to fail. It's just that simple. We will not get it right every time. We need to be prepared for it so that we can make things right. But look there in verse number 8 one more time. But the tongue can no man tame. The tongue can no man tame. If I can't tame my tongue... And you cannot tame your tongue, then guess what? Nobody else can tame their tongue. You say, isn't this kind of redundant? Isn't this something that you've already touched on? Yes, but I want us to see this from a very practical standpoint. Not only are we destined to fail to an extent, and I'm not saying to what extent, I'm just saying we'll not get it right every time. Not only are we going to fail in this area, everyone that we come into contact with, they too are going to fail in this area. 
And just as we need to be prepared for the fact that we will fail, you know what we also need to be prepared for? For the fact that they will fail. Now why is that important? Well, think with me. If you're married, guess what you need to be prepared for? You need to be prepared for the fact that your spouse will not use their tongue perfectly in every conversation they have with you. This is important. Your spouse at some point is going to be miffed. That doesn't make it right. I understand. It doesn't make it right for them just as it doesn't make it right for you. But at some point, your spouse is probably going to say something that didn't need to be said for, for one reason or another. Follow this. They are no more perfect when it comes to their tongue than you are perfect with your tongue. Did I say that right? They are no more perfect with their tongue than you are perfect with your tongue. Now think about this. If we could remember that going throughout our days with our spouse, that they will say some things that we don't appreciate, just like we've said some things they didn't appreciate, you know what we can then exercise toward them? Some grace. But isn't it amazing how sometimes in the marriage relationship, it doesn't matter what we said wrong, it only matters what they said wrong. Well, well, you said this, and you said this, and you said this. Yeah, but you said this, and you said that. Well, I understand, but I only said that because you said that. Am I talking about a real-life situation, or is this just happening in our house? I mean, I'm just saying, sometimes I want Susie to show all the grace toward me because, listen, I'm not going to get it right every time, but here's what I need to remember, that just as I would like some grace from her, I need to show some grace toward her in that she won't say everything right every time. She's going to say some things that came out wrong. She's going to say some things that she later realizes that was painful and that was hurtful. She's going to say some things that didn't need to be said. And listen, I need to show some grace in that moment. Because she's no more capable than I of completely taming the tongue. So when she comes to me and she says, rightfully so, I'm sorry for what I said... That is when I get to exercise some grace that needs to be exercised. We've got to remember this. Our children will not express everything perfectly every time. Now, you know this as well as I do. There are some times that our kids need to be told, you don't use that kind of language with me. You don't talk to me in that tone of a voice. You better not ever talk to me that way again. There is a time and a place to let the kids know that ain't going to fly. 
But there's also this realization that we need to come to that our children are dealing with things, our children are as human as we are, and they're not always going to express everything perfectly. And while there is a time for instruction, while there is a time for some guidance and saying, listen, that wasn't right, that wasn't appropriate, whenever they realize they were wrong and they say, listen, Dad, listen, Mom, I'm sorry for what I said, I shouldn't have said that, that is when we get to show some grace. Because we don't always handle everything perfectly with them. We can't expect perfection from our kids. We can't expect more from them than what we are capable of. And if we're going to mess up sometimes, we ought to allow for the fact that they'll mess up sometimes and not hold it over their head. just want to apply this in a couple of other areas because this can be so helpful if we'll allow it to be. Your words at church are not perfect. I'm just so careful with what I say at church. I don't care. You still say some things at church that don't need to be said. I still say some things at church that don't need to be said. The reality is, is whenever we come to church, we're not guarding every single word that comes out of our mouth. We're not pondering every statement we make before we say it. And so there are times that we're just saying some things that don't need to be said. Well, guess what? Other people in the church are having the exact same struggle that we're having. So there may be somebody in the church who tells a tall tale, and we may know it's a tall tale. There may be somebody who says something, and it hurt us, and it offended us. And, and, and listen, if it was wrong, what do they need to do? They need to apologize. They need to make it right. They need to say, listen, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Listen, I know that was hurtful, I know that was offensive, and I am sorry. But it is in that moment that you know what we need to show? Is we need to show some grace to the one who made the same mistake that we've been guilty of making countless times in the past. You know what happens? They were rude to me. Man, I'm sorry. Did they apologize? Yeah. You upset still? Ah, it's, yeah, it still bothers me quite a bit. When did this happen? Last year. Think I'm making that one up? Friends, there are people in churches who are still upset with other people in that same church because of what somebody said, and when did they say it? A long time ago. And why are they still upset at that person? Because that person wasn't perfect with their words. Right. You perfect with your words? No. Do you want grace? Yes. Well, don't you think you should show some grace? Well, they should know better. Right, and we shouldn't. Amen. I'm just saying, look around this church this morning. Every one of us not only have the potential to say things we shouldn't say, we're going to say things we shouldn't say. 
And when that happens, when they have said it, do they owe you an apology? Yeah, they probably owe you an apology. And when they come to you and they say, listen, I'm sorry, I didn't need to say that, it's then that we get to step up and show a little bit of grace and say, hey, listen, I understand we've all done it, not upset at you, and we can move on and be over it. But oftentimes we demand perfection of others, even in the church, that we know that we'll never achieve in the words that we speak. Just know that at some point this week, somebody at work is going to say something that didn't need to be said. You're going to deal with a coworker. You're going to deal with a customer. You're going to deal with a client. You're going to deal with somebody who is going to say something that did not need to be said. Now, in, in the secular world, just know this. You may not get the apology that is needed. The, the conviction of the Holy Spirit may not work in their life that brings them back to you and says, you know, listen, what I said was out of line. What I said was wrong and shouldn't have been said. You may not get the apology that you think you deserve and that you probably do deserve. But you still have the chance to show some grace. Because there are some times that you speak to your co-workers in a way that don't need to be said or say things that don't need to be said. And by the time the whole interaction is done, you haven't apologized, but you expect them to get over it. Okay, listen, with some co-workers, just show some grace. They're not any more perfect than you are. They're going to struggle with what they say as much as you struggle with what you say. I'm just trying to show us. James is very clear, painfully honest, almost to the point that I asked myself this week as I was studying this, why did James even tell us this? It's not like we don't already know this, right? I mean, here's James saying, I just want you to know you'll never get it controlled, and I want you to know uh, you can do a lot of damage. That little thing is powerful, and you can tell some really big stories and exaggerate some things and boast some things, and you can tear some things up just by what you say. Uh, I know, I know, trust me, I know, I've done it many times. Why, why are you telling me this, James? I don't know all the reasons behind why he wrote this, but it's good for me at least to read that there's no such thing as a perfect man. And no one can tame the tongue. So if I can't do it, and I don't want you to hold me to the standard of a perfect conversation, then I need to show some grace and not expect perfection of you and not have this standard of perfection for what comes out of your mouth because it's not going to happen. Do we need to apologize when we've said something wrong? Yes. Do they need to? Yes. But we can show some grace, and it's not going to kill us. Let me ask you, are we gracious with how people speak to us? That may not be a very easy question to answer, but it's one that we need to consider. How gracious are we to the way people speak to us especially when we know it's out of line. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer.
Father, as I come to you this morning, I pray that you'd help us to just be reminded of what's already been said. Lord, nobody in their interaction with us is going to get it right every time. We can't expect that, we can't assume that, and we can't hold anybody to that standard. So God, I pray that you would help us to show some grace. Be willing to shrug it off, be willing to forgive, be willing to move on. And to just be okay with the fact that people are not always going to be perfect. And when they try to make it right, we can just continue on. Pray that you'd help us today in any way needed. In Jesus' name, amen.